The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning, my name is Rob Daniels, and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 43 of 2020, and show number 1044, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we continue into Halloween Horror Month with a celebration of the 60th anniversary of Psycho, the black-and-white Hitchcock classic. Now, Psycho is a psychological thriller, horror thriller, rather, produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock, of course. The screenplay, written by Joseph Stefano, was based on the 1959 novel of the same name by Robert Bloch. The film stars Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Vera Miles, John Gavin, and Martin Balsam, and centers around the encounter between a female embezzler on the run, Marion Crane, played by Lee, and Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, the shy proprietor of a secluded old motel and its aftermath. Psycho was seen as a departure from Hitchcock's previously previous film, North by Northwest, having been filmed on a lower budget in black and white and by a television crew. The film was initially considered controversial and received mixed reviews, but audience fascination and outstanding box office returns prompted a major critical reevaluation. Psycho was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Supporting Actress for Lee and Best Director for Hitchcock. Now, Psycho is considered one of Hitchcock's best films and is praised as a major cinematic work due to its slick direction, tense atmosphere, effective camera work, a memorable score, and an iconic performances. Ranked among the greatest films of all time, it is set in a set a new level rather of acceptability for violence, deviant behavior, and sexuality in American films, and is widely considered to be the earliest example 
of a slasher film. After Hitchcock's death in 1980, Universal Pictures began producing follow-ups, three sequels, a remake and a made-for-television spin-off, and a prequel television series set in in the 2010s. I first saw Psycho on TV and later in a films class in high school, later on seeing it on the big screen in several film festivals. Now, Herman's score always stood out to me. Hitchcock insisted that Bernard Herman write the score for Psycho despite the composer's refusal to accept a reduced fee for the film's lower budget. Uh, though the huge contribution of Herman's score may be inferred from the unusual placement of the composer's name in the film's opening credits, as it is followed only by Hitchcock's directing credit. Herman used the the lowered music budget to his advantage by writing a string orchestra rather than a full symphonic ensemble. Contrary to Hitchcock's request for a jazz score, he thought the single-tone color of an all-string soundtrack as a way of reflecting the black-and-white's cinematography of the film. The strings played muted for all, for, sorry, for all the music other than the shower scene, creating a darker and more intense effect. Now, the main title music sets the tone of impending violence and returns a few times on the soundtrack. Through nothing shocking, sorry, rather, though nothing shocking uh, occurs during the first 15 to 20 minutes on film. The title music remains in the audience's mind, lending tension to these early scenes. Herman also maintains tension through slower moments in the film and through the use of ostinato. The score has been released in various forms, including on Verez Sarband in 1997, conducted by composer Joel McNeely with the Scottish, sorry, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, which is the version we'll actually be playing today. So here's some music from Psycho as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of the film.
with a little bit of music from the 1960 film Psycho. It's music by Bernard Herrmann. Well, we'll get back to that a little bit more in just a moment, but if you are interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on Visions in Sound, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, and a whole bunch of other places as well. You can try me on uh, Apple Podcasts, or, you know, um, I might be showing up on Eric Wood's website with a, a, a Halloween show next week. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> of course, of course, I'll be showing up next week with, a, of course, Halloween show here and a Halloween show on, uh, on Cinematic Sound. I'm, I'm just all over the place. I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. Beware. In any case, welcome back to Visions and Sound as this week we are celebrating the 60th anniversary of Psycho. Now, Jason Drury was supposed to um, uh, be with me on the show tonight. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it uh, due to other concerns. So, but he was able to record a quick message. So here is that. And then we'll go play and we'll play a little bit more of the music from Psycho. So here's Jason. Psycho from 1960. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock with a screenplay by Joseph Stefano. From a novel by Robert Block. It took a while for me to see the film, but I do remember buying the soundtrack album, where in fact it was the re-recording by Bernard Herrmann with the National Philharmonic Orchestra in 1975, which I bought, I think, in the late 80s. I think it's one of the first soundtrack albums I bought. It was a hard slog getting through it, but I knew it would be important for me to listen to it for future reference, and it turned out obviously to be the case, considering what I do today. When I finally got to see the movie, which I now own a copy of, I found that the recording at home I did in 75 was a lot slower tempo than the actual score from 1960. But it's still a wonderful recording conducted by Herman, and it's really worth looking out for if you can, particularly as it's got liner notes from the great Fred Steiner and a blow-by-blow account of the score that goes along. The film itself is a classic. Anthony Perkins' performance is superb. Vera Miles is excellent as Marion. Ends up dying in the shower scene, which I'm sure in the 1960s had a similar response by audiences as the chest burst is seen from Alien in 1979. And there's the classic shower scene, of which Bernard Herrmann originally was told not to score, but he did anyway to great effect, and film music history was made. A lot of people thought the effect was done electronically, but it was done acoustically with violins in a screeching, stabbing sound motion of extraordinary viciousness. The only electronic application employed was in the placing of the microphones close to the instrument to get that harsher sound. The shower scene is one of the most famous and most imitated cues in film music. Jimmy Goldsmith had a go at it himself when he scored Psycho 2 in 1983. And when Herman played the shower scene cued for Hitchcock, the director approved its use in the film. Herman reminded Hitchcock of his instructions not to score the scene, to which Hitchcock replied, Improper suggestion, my boy. Improper suggestion. This would be the first of two important disagreements Hitchcock would have with Bernard Herrmann, which Herrmann ignored Hitchcock's instructions. The second one would be 
six years later for Torn Curtain, which resulted in the end of their professional collaboration. In a survey conducted by PRS Music in 2009, it showed that the great British public considered the score from the shower scene to be the scariest theme from any film. And what was used for the blood in the shower scene? Well, allegedly, it was chocolate sauce. Thank you, Jason, for that uh, insight into the 1960 film Psycho. We'll get into a little bit more of the uh, Psycho in, in just a second. Um, but yeah, the the score to Psycho, uh, again, and I, like I said, just listening to that and thinking that it wasn't done electronically. I mean, they must have just been ripping on those uh, on those violins when they did that and just screeching absolutely screeching like crazy in any case i'm going to continue on with a little bit more music from of course the classic 1960 film um directed by alfred hitchcock of course with music by bernard herman so here's some more music from psycho
have a little bit of music from the 1960 film Psycho. That's music by Bernard Herrmann. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are looking at the 60th anniversary of Psycho. Now, according to the 1990 book Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, the censors in charge of enforcing the production code wrangled with Hitchcock because of the uh, many of them insisted that they could see one of Lee's, Lee's breasts. Hitchcock held on to the print for several days, left it untouched, and resubmitted it for approval. Each, each of the censors reversed their opinions. Those who had previously seen the breast now did not, and those who had not now did. They passed the film after, uh, after the director was removed, uh, removed one shot that showed uh, the buttocks of Lee's stand-in. Uh, the board was also upset by the racy opening, so Hitchcock said that if they let him keep the shower scene, he would reshoot the opening with them on the set. Uh, because the board members did not show up for the reshoot, the opening stayed. Another cause for concern for the censors was that Marion was shown flushing a toilet with its contents torn up a note of paper uh, fully visible. No flushing toilet had ever appeared in a mainstream film and television in the United States at that time. Internationally, Hitchcock was forced to make minor changes to the film, mostly to the shower scene. In Britain, the BBFC requested cuts to the stabbing sounds and visible nude shots. And in New Zealand, the shot of Norman washing blood from his hands was objected to. In Singapore, though, the shower scene was left untouched. The murder of Abergast, a shot of Norman's mother's corpse, though, was removed. The most controversial move was Hitchcock's no late admission policy for the film, which was unusual at the time, but uh, it was not entirely un uh, original as it had been done for the French film Diabolique. Hitchcock, though, uh, thought rather that uh, if people entered the theater late and never saw star Janet, uh, Janet Lee, they'd feel cheated. At first, theater owners opposed the, the idea, claiming that they would lose business. However, after the first day of, uh, of, of, the, of the film's release, the owners enjoyed long lines of people waiting to see the film. So I'm going to continue on with a little bit more of the music from Psycho as uh, we wrap up the original score and we'll move on to uh, some more interesting stuff as we get into, as we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of Psycho.
Music from the 1960 film Psycho. That's music by Bernard Herrmann. Played in this case by the Royal Scottish National Orchestra on a recording uh, conducted by Joel McNeely. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound as this week we are celebrating the 60th anniversary of Psycho. Now, Psycho is a prime example of a type of film that appeared in the United States during the 1960s. After the erosion of the production code, it was unprecedented in its depiction of sexuality and violence, right from the opening scene in which Sam and Marion are shown as lovers sharing the same bed, with Marion in a bra. In the production code standards of the time, unmarried couples shown in the same bed would have been taboo. Another controversial issue was the gender-bending element. Perkins, who was an alleged homosexual, and Hitchcock, who previously made Rope, were both experienced in the film's transgressive subject matter. The viewer is unaware of Bates' gender-bending until, at the end of the movie, it is revealed that Bates cross-dresses as his mother during the attempted murder of Lilla. At the station, Sam asks why Bates was dressed that way. The police officer, ignorant of Bates' split personality, bluntly utters that Bates is a transvestite. Uh, The psychiatrist corrects him, saying, well, not exactly. He explains that Bates believes that he is his own mother when he dresses in her clothes. Despite the fact that Psycho has been copied and parodied over the years, the original film has lost nothing. And as kind of a pop culture reference, people not even familiar with the original film from the 1960s still use Herman's murder piece to signify somebody getting stabbed. Psycho has been referenced in several films, including the 1974 musical horror film Phantom of the Paradise, 1978's horror film Halloween, which starred Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee's daughter, and Donald Pleasance's character was named Sam Loomis. 
1977, Mel Brooks' tribute to many of Hitchcock's thrillers, High Anxiety, the 1980 Fade to Black, the 1980 Dress to Kill, and Wes Craven's 1996 horror satire, Scream. Now, Bernard Herrmann's opening theme has been sampled by rapper Busta Rhymes on his song, Gimme Some More, from 1998. Uh, Manuel Munzoff's 2011 novel, What You See in the Dark, includes a subplot that fictionalizes elements of the filming of Psycho, referring to Hitchcock and Lee only as the director and the actress. In the comic book uh, stories, Johnny Future, the house inherited by the title character is patterned after the Bates Motel. Well, after Hitchcock's death in 1980, Universal Pictures began producing follow-ups. Three sequels, a remake, and a made-for-television spin-off, and eventually a prequel television series from 2010. Psycho 2 sees 22 years passing since Norman Bates first was charged with, with the murders at the Bates Motel. Norman Bates is coming home after being judged legally sane in a court of law, and Bates is released from the mental institution against the protests of Lilla Loomis, the sister of Marion Crane. Upon his return to home and the motel, which lays in its shadow, Norman strikes up a friendship with Mary, a waitress at a local diner. Just as he tries to adjust back to normality, the murders around the site of the Bates Motel begin again. Now, the music for Psycho 2 is written or written by or the music for Psycho 2 is written by Jerry Goldsmith and in this case I'm playing the Entrada release and you might catch a familiar theme off the beginning here but here's some music from Psycho 2 by Jerry Goldsmith
in with a little bit of music from Psycho 2. That's music by Jerry Goldsmith. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of Psycho. Now, 1986 saw Psycho 3. Uh, the Carter Burwell soundtrack was released on vinyl. Unfortunately, is not available on CD or digital as of this broadcast. Uh, Psycho 4, the beginning from 1990, was the last being a part prequel television movie written by the original screenplay writer, author Joseph Stefano. Anthony Perkins returns to his role as Norman Bates in all three sequels and also directed the third film. Now, the score to Psycho 4 was written by Gray Marvell and unfortunately has never been released. 1998 saw a nearly shot-for-shot remake of Psycho by director Gus Van Sant. Van Sant said that his film was kind of a huge kind of experimental project. The film did not do well commercially or critically. Now, a prequel TV series ran from 2013 to 2017, Bates Motel. It was a contemporary prequel to Psycho and gives a portrayal of how Norman Bates, in this case, Freddie Highmore, psyche unravels through his teenage years. Fans discover the dark, twisted backstory of Norman Bates and how deeply intricate his relationship with his mother truly is. Now, the music was written by composer Chris Bacon and was released on the Lakeshore Records label. We'll hear that after this. Are you tired of buying bottled water? Get a reverse osmosis system for just $4.95 installed and go green. All supplied and installed at Adrian's Water Softeners, 519-778-1413 or adrianswatersofteners.com. 80s, 90s, now. 98.5 CKWR.
And well, that's all for me this week. Uh, thanks for hanging in, those that did. Now, before I end off today's show, I realized that we talked about uh, you know people not quite being a little off and maybe a little bit uh, strange. But I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever feeling not quite right, there are people out there who do care about you and we're willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week. And I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without a support of a team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as we conclude Halloween Horror Month with the 2020 edition of Creeps, Creatures, and Things That Go Bump in the Night. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from Psycho, this time from Under the Baton of Eric Kunzel, conducted from the album Chiller. I'll be back next week with more Visions in Sound. (laughs) 